of every Christian's calling is to take care of their father's money. Yes, it's his money, not ours. We are stewarding finances, and that is one of the many privileges that he gives to his children. I mean, think about it. It's a stunning thought to think that God would entrust something so needful for us to steward for our good and for his fame. Now, of course, money matters are one of the most significant concerns for individuals and couples. I have been doing counseling for a quarter of a century now, and oftentimes, many times, maybe most, money is always part of the discussion and part of the conflict. And that's why I have built for you a practical mind map that will help you to spread God's fame by managing his money well. Hello, everyone. This is Rick Thomas. You're listening to the Life Over Coffee podcast. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. The title of the podcast is A Practical Mind Map That Teaches You How to Manage Money. And so this is going to be a a nuts and bolts instructive podcast. And by the way, if you want to read the article, that's where this mind map is. And so just go to our website and again, look for this title, A Practical Mind Map That Teaches You How to Manage Money. I am also recording this article on video, and so you can watch it on YouTube, you can watch it on Rumble, you can also watch it embedded inside of the article. We're creating our content so that you can read, watch, or listen. You choose which one you uh, which one you prefer. And by the way, uh, please uh, share these things with 1,000 of your closest friends, and I would really appreciate it. All right, let me get into this, a practical mind map that teaches you how to manage money. Mishandling money is an external manifestation, and that's it's important to understand that. It is a behavioral issue first, mismanaging money, But what it does, it points to a root problem in the heart. Stewarding money is not only a privilege, but it is a sober responsibility because of the temptations and the snares that entangle too many of our brothers and sisters. Because of the seductive nature of sin and the culture's encroachments into our lives, Many Christians struggle to bring their finances under the lordship of Christ. This problem is symptomatic of a deeper issue that needs addressing. The selfish use of money is a worship disorder of the heart. Now that is crucial intel that we must know when helping someone overcome physical irresponsibility. And while it's essential to address the external problems, financial selfishness, and I'm going to try to make a dent in that in this podcast by presenting to you this mind map. I mean, we do want to address the behavior, and hopefully this podcast will do that, but the root of the problem also needs our scrutiny if we want to change. We don't want to put lipstick on a pig because it won't last. We have to deal with the heart of the issue. Money problems will not disappear without putting off bad habits and renewing our hearts, according to what Paul said in Ephesians 4, verses 22 and 23. 
Now, it is true that we need to deal with the behavior, and we can do that too. In fact, you will find that most of our issues are that way. There are behavioral things that you need to take care of, and then, of course, all of our behaviors come from our hearts, and so we must do that heart work too. But Jesus was clear that we must cut off behavioral modification, that we must cut off if our hand is offensive, We amputate behavioral sins while we mortify heart idolatries. And those are the two big words that come right out of Scripture. Amputation is from Matthew 5.30 and mortification to make dead, to take the vitality out of it, comes from Romans 8.13. And so we want to do both of those things simultaneously. Amputation speaks to external sins, while mortification speaks to the root of the problem in the heart. Now, many believers need a practical understanding of how to amputate fiscal irresponsibility. The mind map that I have built for you, it will show you how to steward God's money behaviorally. And so let's get into this mind map. And again, those who are watching by video... And those who are listening to the audio, uh, you can go to our website and you can read this article and you can find that mind map. And I think it would be quite instructional. And by the way, you can print all of our articles off. And so uh, just go to the bottom of the article and print it off and then you can mark it up and have fun with it. And hopefully it will be a huge benefit uh, for you. When I work with folks on their finance on their finances, the typical person does not see how their financial stewardship is a responsibility that should have God's glory as the main thing. Most of them tell me that they did not have anyone to walk with them to envision them with this worldview, and I would be in that boat. I had nobody uh, to help me, and it was only after becoming an adult doing a lot of research and studying and a lot of trying and a lot of failing that I was able to have some kind of physical responsibility in the later years of my life. And so I would be like many other people, and this typical response from folks of not having anyone to help them, it did motivate me to create this mind map. That's why I am doing it. I want to help people. And I recognize that there are many ways to steward the Lord's money. But what I am presenting to you is merely one of those ways. And you always want to distinguish between the articles, the articles the and the article a. There is the way to do it, and then there is a way to do it. This is a way, is not the way. And so I hope that you can use it exhaustively or pick parts of it out that you can apply to your life. What I am doing, I am practicalizing common sense, not telling you that the Bible mandates you to follow this plan religiously. There is a way of doing things, and then there is the way. Now, this exercise is suggestive. It's one way for you to think about money. Perhaps it would help to think of this mind map as a road map to give you inspiration and maybe even a vision that you will need to tweak to make it your own and implement according to the season of life that you're in, the size of the family that you have, your monetary situation, your age. 
And though your plan may not be exactly like this plan, and I doubt that it will, the big ideas in this mind map are universal. And so I hope that what you read, what you listen, what you watch, I hope that it will spur you on adapting these ideas to your life. And so let's take a look at the mind map. Now, what I'm going to try to do in this podcast and also in the video, I'm going to try to walk you through it and visually present it to you. And again, I do appeal to you to go and read the article. Okay, so the first big idea is that our money is not our money. And that is step number one on the mind map. If you don't start with this presupposition, meaning this worldview, a presupposition is like a a window that you look through and the color of that window will give you an interpretation for everything that you see. And so if the color of your window is a God-centered worldview where you recognize that your money is not yours, but it is his, then, well, you're going to keep God's fame, his glory in mind. Our beginning, where we start, will determine our ending, where we end up. And so if we fully believe that every cent we have is God's, and it's our job to steward those pennies, we have positioned our hearts in the right place as God's money manager. When someone asks you about your role with your finances, perhaps you can tell them that you are a money manager of God. I've actually said this before. I remember being before a high-powered salesman, and he was really trying to push something on us. I don't remember exactly what it was. And I said, well, I I appreciate the offer, but I will have to go talk to my father. And he, he he said, Uh, you're an adult. Why do you have to talk to your father? I said, well, uh, I'm talking about my heavenly father, and I am a a money manager for him. I manage his money. He gives me some money, and I, I manage it, and so I need to talk to him before I go and perhaps buy this thing that you're trying to sell me. Well, that pretty much ended the conversation, <laughs> and I'm not sure why, if he thought I was a kook or, or whatever, but uh, he really didn't have that mindset. But I do. It's a sobering title, money manager for God. Maybe you can get a business card that says something like that. And there's not a pay grade higher than that one. Lucia and I think about finances this way. We really do. We we have never thought about the money that we have as being ours. We are stewards of what he gives us. Now, perhaps prayer will assist in adopting this type of mindset if you don't have it already. You could place a note on your bathroom mirror or refrigerator to help you imprint this worldview into your psyche, into your soul. As you fixate on this overarching truth, then you're ready to follow your king to financial maturity. And so that's step one, is his money not ours? Step number two, as you follow your father, is doing his work on earth. Now that is 
number two in the mind map. And so with steps one and two firmly under your theological belt, you're ready to build a plan. Step one is God's money, not yours. Step number two, you're going to have a worldview that you're going to implement in his world. And so now we're going to build a plan, which is step number three in the mind map. Now, this plan, again, is merely suggestive, not a mandate for you to adopt. It does work. It has passed the field test. Lucia and I have followed this financial process our entire marriage. But nevertheless, the budget you create is your unique roadmap. Now, if you don't have a map, meaning you don't have a budget, you will not know where you're going. I have been doing financial counseling for a long time now, and I've, I've never met a person who did not have a budget, who knew where all his money or all their money went. A counselee would say something like this, quote, oh, I have, I have a pretty good handle on our money. I know where it goes. It's always a lie. I mean, even an unwitting lie, but it is a lie. The person does not connect what he says to deceit most of the time, but there's some deceit going on, even if it is unwittingly. His response is nothing more than an attempt to soft-pedal irresponsibility. At that juncture, I challenge him to make a budget. It's a common-sense thing to do, but it does take diligence. A simple, albeit tedious way to do this is to chart every cent that you receive and spend for an entire month. Every penny that comes in, and I mean literal penny, just chart it for an entire month. You will be absolutely amazed at some of the stories that I've heard after folks have done this. It's like, wow, I had no idea that money came in this way. I had no idea that all the money went out in specific ways. They are always shocked at the amount of money they are spending. And most of the time it's on items like eating at restaurants because you just don't, if you don't have a budget, you don't track that. And that can be quite expensive. There are usually four to seven other categories that shock them. And so after collecting this data for a month, they become motivated to see how much they waste and how much they could be saving. The waste part motivates them to want to save. And from this month's worth of work, they begin to develop categories or line items according to groupings of expenses. And so you collect data for a month, you create these line items now so that you know where everything comes in and goes out. These line items become the categories from which they spend money each week, each month. Depending on how detailed they become, they, there could be as, as many as 50 line items, depending on each person, each family. And they can work from these line items for the rest of their lives. Now, they may change. You know, seasons of life are always different. The first time I went through this process was in the early 90s. I had over 100 line items for my first month's data collecting. Now, I trimmed that list to about 40 groupings. For example, I had three line items for food, grocery, eating out, snacks. Those were some of the line items. I did not have a line item for saving 
Now, that's not good. You must have a line item for saving because you want to, you have to be saving. And so the goal, as far as your finances is concerned, is to work from 90% of your gross income. That is a good rule of thumb goal. And though the New Testament does not teach giving 10%, we use that language tithing, but it's not taught in the New Testament. That's an Old Testament thing, but it's not a bad idea giving 10% of your gross to your local church, that's a good starting point. Now, hopefully, as you continue to manage God's money well, that you would be able to give more. And so now you have collected a budget and you have a good idea of how much comes in during the month and how much exits. You have also created most of the categories and line items that you need. So at this juncture, you start cutting back on your expenses and categories. Now that is uh, on the mind map, that is number four. And I would appeal to you not to create a miscellaneous item because it could turn into a black hole, which is tempting for the person who has been irresponsible with money. If you have a miscellaneous line item, you'll it's like a garage where you'll start buying so much stuff that it spills out into the garage to where you can't no longer get your car in the garage. We have a garage rule in our home. Ever since we moved to this home that we said that if we can't get our car in the garage, then we have, uh, we have too much stuff. And, and, and all the 15 years, 16 years that we've been here, we've been able to get our car in the garage. And I hope by the grace of God, we continue to do that. And so the trimming part is usually fun, especially after seeing how the new budget has debt reduction and savings categories. Some couples have turned this process into a financial game. The addictiveness to spending shifts to an addiction to reduce debt and to save money. Now, I recommend that you continue to track your expenses with meticulous detail at least for a year. And the reason you want to do that is because no one month is the same. There are birthdays that pop up. There is Christmas. There are other costs that show up at different times during the year, but not monthly. And so if you track the entire year, you will have a clear idea of your expenses and your income. We had a line item for Christmas, for example, knowing that that was going to be a bigger expense in December. Now, you also create special categories to put aside certain amounts each month. And again, that's what we did uh, with Christmas. And what that will do is it will level out those one-time expenses that come, that come about uh, annually. Now, one of the line items in your monthly budget is savings. Once you know your monthly income and expenses and you have enough to cover your cost, you want to go to step number five in the mind map, which is building an emergency fund. And so you know what you're spending, you know what you're bringing in, and you're living on that budget, and you have a line item for savings, and so now you want to create a tier, a higher level, an emergency fund. Now, you can pick the amount that you want to put there. $10,000 is a good target. You could look at that amount as spilling into a fund until it reaches that desired amount, whatever amount you choose. And if you're paying your bills... And you can also create an emergency fund 
you will begin to sense financial stability by having that emergency fund. The purpose of this fund, as the label suggests, it's an emergency fund. There will be things that happen during the year, and you will, you will not have those things in your budget because they're unknown. But if your savings spills into this emergency bucket, you will be able to cover your surprises. This fund absorbs those unexpected financial spikes. For example, we had to buy a new range and a new dishwasher in the same year. We didn't budget those things into our monthly expenses because we assumed those appliances were doing okay. Similar bumps in our finances have happened to our vehicles, our furnace, and there's been a number of other things like a water heater, etc. That's just life. And so whenever you tap into the emergency fund that you have built up, you will want to fill it back up to whatever predetermined amount that you decide. And so let's say after you get your emergency fund to where you want it, then you want to create another category or another tier, and that is number six on the mind map. Now, we call this untouchable money. The implication is clear. The goal is never to touch it. But if something does happen that drains the emergency fund that you have built up, and so you, you, you can't pay it in your budget, you can't pay it in your emergency fund, well, you will have a catastrophic fund that will keep you sailing along financially, and so you want to build that fund. Now, you can put your emergency and catastrophic funds into something like a CD, for example, that renews every 12 months with each one renewing six months apart. And so if you had an annual CD that you started in July, and then you started another one in January, one would renew every July, the other one would renew every January. And that way, by having a 12-month renewal, you get better interest accrual and also, they would renew six months apart because they were set up six months apart, which means that you would never be more than six months from cashing one of them out. And that makes a good catastrophic fund that you're probably never going to touch, but it can accrue and you're never six months away from either one of them. Now, once your catastrophic fund is where you want it, a tear up from your emergency fund, then you begin to focus more aggressively on stewarding your future. Now, that is number seven in the mind map. Now, while you should be investing in your future fund all along, it's wise to create an emergency fund, a catastrophic fund that will absorb financial spikes. Okay, so this Next one, this future planning, could be anything like a 529 college fund, a Roth IRA, a 401k, money market, stock market, life insurance, a will. There's several other things that you want to, that you could add uh, to this future planning uh, number seven on the mind map. And if those funds are in place, it will be an exceptional event to touch the stewarding your fund money, I mean something Really crazy would have to happen before you ever got to touching this final tier where you're planning for your future because your emergency will absorb most and your catastrophic usually will take care of everything else. The money you give to the church, savings, and debt reduction are non-negotiable budget categories. 
You do not see debt reduction in the mind map that I built. Those of you who are listening to my podcast or watching the video, again, I would appeal to you to go and look at it uh, inside this article. But I did not put debt reduction in the mind map. But it, though it is a line item in your budget, as for debt, here's a few recommendations for your consideration. For example, pay off the smallest debt first. And if you can knock out a few smaller bills, it will encourage and it will motivate you. Rather than looking at the biggest mountain sitting in front of you, Tackle some of those smaller hills. Small wins are wins nonetheless. And then after you pay your smallest debt, take the money you were paying on that bill and roll it over to your next smallest debt. You're already paying this bill, so keep that same amount and roll it into the next one. You will retire it more quickly when you add the recently paid expense to it and continue this process until you are debt free. If you can pay something on your mortgages back end each month, you could save thousands of dollars and cut years off the overall house payment. You can find a mortgage calculator online to type in your monthly mortgage, interest rates, and what you want to pay extra each month. It will, if you have a mortgage, it will shock you at the amount of money that you would save just by paying a little extra each month. Also, I, I do not recommend buying a new car unless you can genuinely afford it. Automobiles are depreciable items and should provide only a practical purpose not a reputational one. And if you're stuck in the image thing and you have to have a new car because of your image, well, that ties into the root issue problem that I was talking about earlier, the problem of the heart. Now, wisdom suggests that you find someone you trust to speak into your, into your money management practices. I have seen God do some amazing things in people's lives as they have submitted their finances to him while opening their wallets to a loving, trusted friend who is willing to serve them this way. Humble folks pursue accountability, and God rains down his empowering favor on humble souls, as he tells us in James 4, 6. Now, I've also listed some scriptures here that would help you to think about financial planning and management. Philippians 4, 19, 1 Timothy 6, 10, Acts 20, 35, and Matthew 6, 31 and 32, and there are many more. There's a ton of scripture, and you, you already know this, but there's a ton of scripture in the Bible about finances. And so as you find your verses and look at these verses, let them settle in your mind as you thank God for his ongoing and all-sufficient financial care of you. You may not have all you want or all that you need, but God does take care of his children. Let me tell you a quick story. There was a time in my life where I picked up aluminum cans on the side of the road. I had lost my job. Uh, I had lost actually everything. I'd lost my family. I'd lost my home, lost all of my money, and I had no way of making money. And I was trying very hard to get jobs, but I was, I was completely broke. And I picked up aluminum cans on the side of the road and put them in little 
what we called can banks. You, you could think of it like like an ATM where you put the cans in and it spits out uh, nickels, dimes, and quarters, and then I would go and buy a hamburger. That's how I lived for a couple of years. But during that financial drought, God continued to provide for me. I did not starve, and I'm alive today, and that was 30-something years ago. Your Heavenly Father knows your need, and He will provide your need. Whatever season that you're in, if you're in a season of drought like what I just described, let this season be the seed that motivates you when things change. And because of what I went through, it was a motivator for me uh, that when things change, that I would do well managing his money. The title of this podcast is A Practical Mind Map That Teaches You How to Manage Money. I have a couple questions to ask as I wrap up. Question number one, what does it mean to you to be a steward of the Lord's money? Number two, how has this concept governed your finances, being God's money manager? Number three, do you consider yourself a good steward of money? The follow-up, why did you answer that way? And then number four, are there any habits, addictions, bad practices that keep you from reaching your financial goals? If so, what are those things and what is your plan to change? Follow up, who will you tell and how will you enlist their help? And then finally, question number five, if you don't have a financial plan, will you start today? And perhaps your first move is to call someone who can help you. The title of the podcast is A Practical Mind Map That Teaches You How to Manage Money. If you're watching or listening, please uh, go to the article on the website and check out this mind map and uh, start working on those finances for God's glory. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.